We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm Steve Peretch, joined as always by Dusty Evely, Sarah Kelleher, and boy, do we have a special treat for you guys. Joining us from, it is New York, right? Uh, we've got Mark Beach. What's going on, Mark? How are you guys? Good to be here. Doing good. Dusty, Sarah? We're doing doing great, man. Doing great. Sarah, are you officially like moved in? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? What's going on? Update the people. A little bit of everything. Uh, so I moved in half of my things today, and then, or I guess when you're listening to this, it would be yesterday. And then today, I will be all moved in officially and ready to go. So very tired, but pushing through, and my parents and my boyfriend have been helping me out a lot. So kudos to them, and yeah, just really excited to get settled and get everything decorated and how I want it. And uh, yeah, we're super excited to have Mark on, who um, currently, right now, you're with Players Tribune, right? That's right. I'm the managing editor at the Players Tribune. And then formerly with SI and the author of an amazing book, The People's Team, uh, Illustrated History of the Green Bay Packers. So, man, we are unbelievably excited to have you. We're going to be picking your brain about anything and everything about the <laughs> Packers. Uh, but before we do, what we like to do whenever we have a guest on is talk to them about things that are not related to the Packers. So uh, <laughs> some rapid-fire questions about – uh, sport, uh, you know, food, anything like that. So, Dusty, we're going to start with you. Okay. If you steal my question, I swear to God, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> this is a brave move by you, Steve. No, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, man, we're kicking things off. We're staying on brand. Mark, we are pro Oreo. We are a pro Oreo podcast. Uh, so we have to know what's your. There's a thousand different variations. What's your favorite Oreo? Your go-to. Uh, well, first of all, that's uh, an awesome thing to find out because uh, I'm an Oreo man myself. Yes. Oh, I it's the greatest it. cookie of all time. Uh, and I, my mom was old school. My mom always bought Oreos, like plain Oreos, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid. And so I loved those. And actually, um, you know, during quarantine, um, we've been, they'd, for whatever reason, they've been cheap at our local supermarket. And so we've been buying them a lot. I think my, my body mass is probably 80% Oreo right now. Um, but I, my, my wife and kids are huge on the double stuff, and I have to say I think I might be a double stuff guy. Okay. An extra hit of the white icing is uh, it's 
it's noticeable. It's just it's enough. It does not overboard. It's just enough. I don't know if you've gone. Right. Please, please do not, Mark. I don't know if you've gone with the most <laughs> stuff. I don't know if you've tried these. They oh, they no. just flew a little too close to the sun, man. Like it's too much. The ratio is all off. They're terrible. So double stuff's perfect. You go more than that. It's just it's too much. No, well, we get the deals on the regular size double stuff Oreos, but like I discovered there was a family size double stuff Oreos and. I've been buying those, and there's no deal on those, so I'm paying full freight to get, like, extra stuff. 12 yeah. extra Oreos, yeah. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's worth a, every penny. It's a good cookie. I, I'm, I'm down with that. All right, so he, he went double stuff. Guys, we don't have to cancel the podcast now. This is good. Yeah, this is good. This we're, we're big fans of the classic Oreo, too, and the double stuff, so yeah. very excited to mm-hmm. hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess an Oreo is your ideal cookie, but – Something that I guess we can talk about in like a post-coronavirus um, scenario. What would be your ideal or dream vacation to go on? Uh, my ideal vacation would be um, probably we we took a great one in February. We actually we went to Arizona. It was no place exotic. We went to Phoenix uh, and saw the Brewers at spring training right before they, you know, oh, nice. all shut down. My son got Lorenzo Cain's autograph and... Christian Yelich on the same ball. Nice. Uh, so it's cool. like, it was, you know, it worked out perfect. And so I, that was a probably one of the, my favorite vacations I've ever taken. But if I was choosing purely based on destination, I think I'd, I'd probably choose um, Barcelona. Um, okay. I loved it there. The food is unbelievable. Um, I just like the pace of life in Spain very much. Uh, it's great. And when I was in the Army, I lived in Hawaii once and, that's why I'm not choosing Hawaii because I lived on Hawaii for four years. <laughs> I know it. I know it well, um, and I would love to go back there on vacation. But I, I've been there, so um, I'm, I, I would rather do Barcelona. Nice, nice. All right, uh, we'll go back to some food and some desserts. If uh, you're only allowed one dessert from an ice cream truck, and Sarah, just so you know, an ice cream truck is like old school. It's, it would drive around the streets when we were kids, and they would like make, they would play songs, and you'd pay a dollar and get a really like a, an ice cream treat. So, uh, Mario, I've never heard of. I know, I know, life, I know, ever. <laughs> uh, Mark, if you get one ice cream treat from the ice cream truck, what would that be? Well, I'm very. This is right in line with the Oreo question. I mean. I'm an ice cream sandwich guy. Yeah. Uh, my kids are very, like, uh, they get this SpongeBob thing that, like, melts, and it's all different colors, oh, and, like, they're just sticky and gross, and it's it just looked bad. Um, I'm an ice cream sandwich guy. Chipwich, classic. I love it. Ooh, the Chipwich. Chipwitches mm-hmm. are good, too. I get the feeling like you just the, uh, anything in front of you, Mark. Just anything sweet <laughs> in front of you, you're just, you're going to eat. Is that correct? Um, I, I can't, yeah, I can't deny it. It's, it's pretty much... <laughs> I don't know if this is what we're talking about so much about food as we are about sugar, uh, but I'll eat sugar in front of me anytime, yeah. <laughs> smart, smart man. Alright, let's switch up. We're getting away from food for a second here, Mark. Um, I'm, I, so I'm, I don't really love the term guilty pleasure, because I, I am of an age uh, that I, I'm not guilty about anything at this point. But if we're talking, say, guilty pleasure movie, just even like a comfort movie, what's your go-to? If you're having a down day and you're like, hey, I just, I need something here, just something that comforts and a little bit guilty pleasure, what is, what is your go-to? Probably my favorite guilty pleasure is like um, uh, Tommy Boy. Ah, there we I go. I just, um, like, you know, there's no... There's nothing artsy about it. There's nothing subtle about it. There's nothing. It's just, it makes me laugh every time. Uh, I mean, it's (laughs) it's different. It's like I can flip past it if it's on TV. Like I can't flip past, say, All the President's Men or The Apartment or something like that. But like, uh, but I, you know, Tommy Boy, like it's just, it makes me feel good. And I I laugh at it every time. It's, It's never not funny. I'd argue that fat guy in a little coat is high art, Mark, but that's that's the difference between you and me. <laughs> I don't know when he gets hit in the head with the uh, the, uh, the thing, the girder or whatever. He's checking the specs on the girder. Or whatever. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's always it's always funny. It, I like, catch a niner in there. Yeah. <laughs> Were you calling out a walkie-talkie? <laughs> I could do this all day. Oh yeah. I, uh, Dusty, by the way, thank you for uh, knocking one of my questions with a, you know, that you never use the term guilty pleasure. I appreciate I that. that. Steal my question and insult it in the same time. Listen, I listen uh, to Katy Perry proudly. I don't, I do not care about guilty pleasures. That's, that's, you got something you have to get over, Steve. 
<laughs> anyway, Sarah, go ahead. All right. Um, so I know we talked a little bit about Oreos, and that's something that's kind of come up again and resurfaced in quarantine. But have you picked up any hobbies or just kind of started a, a new thing during this quarantine time? I'm curious. Uh, well, I mean, I, I got it. I got a pellet smoker from my brother-in-law. Uh, so basically, he doesn't grill, and so he gave me this one that he'd fallen into, and so I, it's been on my, it was on my deck the whole time I was writing the book, and I promised I was not going to promise myself I was not going to waste a day by spending a whole day smoking a piece of meat while I could be writing this book about the Packers. Um, <laughs> so I didn't touch it for two years, uh, which was a long time, um, and uh, you know, especially when I really wanted to. Uh, so I, I basically have taken the the end of writing the book was sort of happened at the beginning of winter and the promotion and stuff and so I I couldn't do it last summer um, so I've, I've used quarantine since the weather's been getting warm to basically I, I think my wife just can't believe I come back you know I'm making coleslaw all the time I'm making you know <laughs> barbecued beans all the time because I'm, I'm smoking stuff you know I just have stuff going every weekend so I'm doing that I, I've gotten very into like um Got my son a new baseball glove, and I'm breaking in baseball gloves like the right way, which I'd never done in my life. Okay, uh, and I found it very relaxing and and uh, fun to do. What is um, what's your consideration of the right way? Because I remember like when I was a kid, it was put the baseball glove with a ball and rubber bands around it, and then put it under my my mattress, and then I slept on that thing for like <laughs> three days. And so uh, it was a, it was a whole life, thing but... to it. Like somebody gave us a. We we got a so when somebody was giving us like a bunch of um, their kids old stuff we got we got a, a glove mallet have you ever heard of these things it's I'm made not, by rolling no. it's a wooden stick with a ball a, a softball shaped uh, wooden ball on the end of it and you basically pound it into your glove like you're playing catch huh. and you you so I've, we've got one of those I've got like glove oil and and um, you know the bands you wrap around the glove so mm-hmm. uh, it's I, I maybe have gone a little overboard, but um, <laughs> you got a little extra time right now. It's okay. I'm stuck in the house all the time. So I do the, the, the anyway. smell of glove oil, though. That's always one of those things. Like that can bring me back straight to my childhood. I always love that. It's yeah, it's a, it's a total time machine. It's like a, it's like a, a favorite song. You, know? you said it's therapeutic, but you're just, you're just beating the hell out of things. That's your that's your therapy right now. That's it. It, it really is. Really like you you slap it on the in the glove like you're catching uh, with the glove. But you also like whack the glove on the outside and the fingers and stuff and like soften it all up and it, it is it's therapeutic. I take it down, you know, put it on the concrete floor in the basement and just beat the hell out of it. <laughs> it was like my favorite story about Reggie White. I learned when I was a kid. Like he was, he would get so frustrated when he was a kid. He would sometimes go out and just grab a big stick and beat it against a tree. It came out of his, uh, his autobiography, and I thought that was a very vivid image. So I, you know, like, you know. Me and the Minister of Defense have something in common. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> um, all right, let's we'll wrap up the uh, rapid fire questions. Which well, we we've, we've ventured away from rapid fire, but it's been fun. Um, <laughs> if you could pick one person to narrate your life, so you know, like a Morgan Freeman over the top, like talking about everything you do in your normal day life, who would it, who would that be? Well, I, I mean, I really Morgan Freeman is the obvious answer, right? I mean. I can listen to the guy read the telephone book. Mm-hmm. He's just very good. Um, but I, you know, I really enjoyed. I, I think we watched again. My son wanted to watch it. We watched the Civil War documentary, the Ken Burns thing. Oh yeah, which was narrated by David McCullough, who's you know not only a really good writer, uh, but he was a fantastic narrator. It was tremendous. So I really like that too. Okay. I think Dusty and I have always talked uh Morgan Freeman and, and Sam Elliott was the other one that uh that would <laughs> always just be a I'm I'm leaning a little heavier Tom Waits these days. Like I just okay. really want Tom great Tom Waits going nuts. Uh but yeah, those are the all solid choices. All right. So that's uh that's enough of the get to know you. Let's let's do a deep dive now. The people's team. Um I did some some research. I do not yet own the book, but it is coming to me on Amazon. Uh, one of the things before we even get started, I wanted to say, like, I, I was taking a look at all the reviews and everything, which are just amazing, and I couldn't. I was I was shocked that you didn't have a like a complete five star rating, 
and I didn't get it. And I scrolled and I scrolled and I scrolled and I found the one three-star review. And the reason <laughs> that there was a three-star review is because Amazon damaged it during shipping. That was the only reason <laughs> that there was a not five-star review was because of Amazon. So it's, it's uh, funny the, uh, that, that my agent actually was – I think one of the I, one of the first reviews I got was a two star review because somebody got a damaged book from Amazon. My agent got involved. Like he's like, you got to take this review down. It's ruining the it's ruining the ratings. So it's a yeah, that's it's been a it's been an ongoing problem. And I think the last couple of like lower reviews I've gotten, there was one review that was really it was it was quite cutting. It was like uh, it was damaged, but the content didn't seem to be that good, so I didn't bother sending it back. And I was like, ah. That hurts. <laughs> no, I read. I did. I did. I read. That was the one that I read. He said it was, it was damaged. Killer. It was for his dad. He liked the content, but he didn't have enough time to send it back. So okay, yeah. That was your three star review. Um, but yeah, I mean, from everything I've read, everything I've I've read about the book, it's been amazing. And so one of the things that always interests me, like you doing so much research into this, what's like what's the story that Packers fans would want to know of, like a failed trade or, you know, um, a draft pick that they were hoping was would fall to them or something like that, like, uh, that, that Packers fans don't really know of. I mean, like, I've heard the, the Tony Gonzalez thing before where they thought they had the deal set for him and then they got yanked at the last minute. Like, was there anything that came up for you that was fascinating as a fan? Um, well, there, there were many things. It's actually um, – it was a gratifying experience to write the book because there were just many, many – uh, fascinating things and essential stories I thought were were uh, were things that came up. I mean, you know, one of my favorites was that was that Vince Lombardi. The year that they hired Vince Lombardi was not the original choice for the Packers. It was Forrest Sevashevsky from Iowa, um, who had just won the Rose Bowl, and the Packers had like basically they sort of were laying the, the groundwork to get Sevashevsky because they drafted Randy Duncan in the first round in December, back when they held the the first three rounds of the draft, like before the end of the season, and then they held the last several rounds in January. So they drafted Randy Duncan number one overall. And like, you know, Duncan was, I don't, I don't know if he ever played in the NFL. He, you know, he, I think he went to Canada, <laughs> but um, he never played for the Packers. And then, you know, when Dominic Olenicek, you know, was, was um, searching for a new coach uh, and GM, um, you know, he originally offered the job to Abyshevsky, according to Abyshevsky, um, who told Cliff Crystal this. Um, so that was one. I mean, as far as, like, other draft picks, like, they just went wrong. Like, I mean, they passed on Joe Montana in the second and the third round in 1978 or 79, I think. And, and um, I think the Packers director of scouting, like, stormed out of the room at one point. <laughs> um, you know, Bart Starr was just not a good personnel man. Um, they, they drafted a Penn State defensive tackle the next year uh, who they wanted to play the nose, but he was a little too light to play the nose, and I think he knew it. Uh, and he went up playing for Toronto. You know, Green Bay had such a bad name. He, Bruce Clark went to Toronto. And then, like, a couple <laughs> years later, they, they they had Ronnie Lott out to dinner in Green Bay. And, and uh, you know, Ronnie Lott was all set for the Packers to draft him. And they, they took a um, uh, quarterback instead. I think it was Campbell. Um whew. Yeah, so they passed from Ronnie Lott and Joe Montana. Jesus. Um, depressing as hell, I mean, one, one, one of Bart Starr's first things he did as a coach was to let Ted Hendricks go. Um, they let, you know, they offered him, I think they made him an offer. They offered him, a, as Hendricks told me, they offered him a bunch of contracts with no guarantee to him. And he was like, he was good enough that he knew he could get a guaranteed deal if he went someplace else. And so he signed with Oakland. Um and so his his one year career with the Packers when he blocked seven kicks and set an NFL record it was over, but he was a you know he would have been one of the all time greats had, had he stayed. <laughs> Sorry guys. There was all straight lines. I, didn't I was, know, I was hoping for like yeah. one answer, but oh my god. <laughs> Your, your your question was leading, Steve. Your question wanted to lead him down that oh, path. Oh of course it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there are many other essential good stories in the book, too. It's not, <laughs> it's not all sad ones. I guess taking a step backwards then and um, with some of the Packers history that you know, how did your passion and your interest 
with the Packers' first start? I feel like I myself am curious, but a lot of people probably are as well. So I, I came to the Packers late in life. I mean, um, I grew I was an Army brat growing up, um, and so we moved around all the time. And I think the, the team I probably followed the closest and, and most uh, passionately was the Redskins, um, just because my dad grew up a Redskins fan because he was from a little town in Kansas, and the Redskins were on the, the radio. Uh, all over the country in the, in the 40s. And so he was a, a big Redskins fan, and so I was too. Um, but in 85, when I was 15 or 16, we moved to, to um, Milwaukee. Um, and I became really good friends with, with people there who were just, had been fans of the Packers all their lives. And, you know, that was, in those days, it was a, that was a real effort. Like, it was tough to do. Um, and, uh, so I, the first Wisconsin sporting event I ever went to was at a Packers game at County Stadium. Oh, nice. Um, I, I can't remember who they played. I think it was Tampa Bay, but, you know, they were both on the same sideline, and the infield was in there. You know, they were, they were <laughs> playing part of the game on the dirt. You know, I, I can't remember many details about the game, except we had to get there early because we tailgated, and, and we had a great time. But, it, you know, we all had our – I think that was a big goal of getting my driver's license when I was in high school was so I could – drive myself out to, to County Stadium and go to the Packers and Brewers games uh, by myself. That's awesome. But that, that's when it started. I mean, I mean uh, and then it, it, luckily for me, I mean, it didn't take long for the Packers to get good. And when they when they got good, it was like when Favre showed up, it really, I mean, it, it became, uh, you know, a thing. And when I was a professional journalist, you have to, like, not be a fan. And, yeah. You know, I, I couldn't officially cheer for anybody, but everybody has teams they follow and that they they stick with, and, and I'm, I'm no different. Uh, and being at the Players' Tribune, I, I can be a little more of a fan now. Um, but I really tried to write the book as, as passionate as I am about the Packers and as much as I love them, like I really tried to write the book from an objective, like third-party mm-hmm. um, perspective, because I wanted people to get the real story, and I wanted, I wanted my book to be a reference for people forever. You know, I, I wanted it to endure, um, and, and I didn't think I could do that without being um, honest. And in some cases, you know, it, luckily I didn't have to be, but unmerciful. Um, you know, to quote Wester Bangs in, uh, in Almost Famous. Another, yeah. another movie I can't not watch. God, that's a great one. That is a great one. Um, so I'll, you know, Steve started out kind of talking about the book. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of. Well, I mean, I, I got the book. I will say, you know, I, I bought the book, I think, right at, like, I pre-ordered it. So as soon as it came out, I got it because I'd heard about it. I, don't, I didn't really know you yet. Um, but I'd gotten the book and just absolutely loved it, man. Um, you. you. know, what, what I mean, what, and what you said about it being kind of objective, you're taking that. It is, it reads really well. It's a really easy read, but it reads as kind of a, a, a history, a capsule in time of you kind of get the full picture without feeling like, I feel like if it was, uh, if I was not a Packers fan, you're at least learning something from it. It's not just, it's not clearly not just a fan just writing things. So, um, and, and also, you know, we met you, we got to meet you at the, uh, at the Cheesehead house before the Bears game. That's right. Uh, I felt like meeting a celebrity. Um, we'd actually, <laughs> t- we talked about the book. My youngest brother's a huge fan as well. My family, all except my oldest brother's a Patriots fan because, I don't know, he was dropped as a child or something. But uh, the rest of my family is all Packers fans. I know, I know. Listen, I, I don't like him either. Uh <laughs> But we talked about that book on the way up because my youngest brother had just gotten it. So I, he I mean, he talked about he's like oh, Mark Beach is amazing. He's talking about he's talking about the, just all these players that I love. My brother's a huge history guy, and so that was so the book's amazing. Uh, we absolutely love it, and you know just big fan of you, Mark. This is turning into fanboy ranting. Uh, big fan oh, of you. Is there a question in here? The, Duffy, the book's or? amazing. It's not. It's not. I yield Please the con- continue. I yield <laughs> the floor. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I'm going to elaborate a little later about the book, but it's 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 just tremendous. I love it. Um, but we were so we we got the chance to sit and talk with you for a couple hours while getting slowly drunk at like 9 a.m. before the Packers game, uh, before the Bears game. Uh, so I mean, you you talked about you were at uh, Sports Illustrated what for like 18 plus years. Um, yep. You've covered a ton of events, not just Packers stuff, obviously. So what is like if you have one story from your career, Packers related or not, what's the favorite story? that you've covered or favorite thing you've written throughout your career? Well, I mean, there were a bunch of, like, fun things that, that happened to me. I mean, probably the most visceral and the most in the moment, uh, you know, the most um, 
amazing thing I ever covered was I covered the 2006 Rose Bowl uh, between Texas and USC. I was oh, at the game. Uh, the Rose Bowl is like an incredible game. Anyway, I covered several, um, but that one that one stood out for obvious reasons. But I was we'd all like there's a thing like in the, you know in the fourth quarter of a game they they send the media down to the field so you can be in position to do your uh, in the moment on field interviews at the end of the at the end of the game. And so we were all we'd all gone down in the middle of the fourth quarter, you know, and, and, you know, for Texas's final drive, I watched Texas's final drive from the end zone. Oh, gracious. And Vince Young, um, when he scored the winning touchdown, actually almost ran me over. Um, <laughs> and it was just, it was the most, his eyes were huge. And I just, it was the most amazing thing I ever saw in my life. I, I you know, I covered a lot of fun things and I mean, I a lot of memorable things happened to me. I, you know, was, Screamed out on the field before a Twins game by Davey Lopes when he was managing the Brewers. And <laughs> so I sent the junior staffer out there as a sacrificial lamb to write about why the Brewers are about to set the major league record for strikeouts. <laughs> and Rod Carew was our hitting coach. Rod Carew couldn't have been a more beautiful person, but Davey Lopes was just a pill. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I remember I remember Drew Olson and, and a bunch of the other Brewers beat writers kind of standing off to the side of, you know, what – Basically, the whole goal is to watch this guy ask Davy Lopes this question that's going to set Davy Lopes <laughs> off. So it was, it was, it was good. Um, I, I once, uh, I, another Brewers game I covered it totally coincidentally was, um, I, I was supposed to write about Marcus Giles, who'd just been called up by the Braves, and, and, um, I couldn't get Bobby Cox. I was there for two days. I couldn't get him ahead of time, and so I had, to, I had to get him after a game. And the Braves lost like two to one in extra innings. He was, he was just pissed off and angry in his office. He's sitting at his desk, and I, I wait in there. I wait at everybody. It's like eleven o'clock at midnight, at, you know. And uh, I'm like, Davey, I'm sorry. I've got to ask you about Marcus Chai. He's like, I'm not going to do that feature bleep. And he stands up from behind his desk, and like he's got no pants on. Um, <laughs> he's just got the he's just got the baseball shirt on. So like you have no idea you're talking to this naked man. Um, yeah. So that was. But I mean, I, the favorite things I covered that was the Vince Young Rose Bowl and the 2015 American Pharaoh and the Triple Crown. I covered horse racing for a long time. Okay. Wow. Um, and that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I was at that Belmont. The Vince Young one is amazing, but I think that Bobby Cox story might take the cake there, Martin. <laughs> it was a moment. It was a moment. He, was, he was pissed at me. I remember I called one of my friends from the magazine who covered baseball, and I was like, I can't believe what Bobby did to me. And he's like, I got I to gotta side with Bobby there. But, you know, I was like, okay. Fine. He still had no pants on. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's just move on. I think we moved on. That's enough about the no Bobby Cox and the no fan. Like, it's at some level like the the wordplay there is just too much. Um, so let's uh, let's all move on. Do you did you ever uncover like a uh, a cool secret about like Lambo? Like, was there like secret tunnels or you know like old school ways for like the players they'd go get like a beer during halftime or you know anything that stuck out to you? No, I never, I never found um, anything like that about Lambeau Field specifically. I mean, City Stadium had many, many um, quirks. It was basically an old wooden. I mean, Cliff Crystal put it best. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the Packers as an artifact of history, and they are, like, I mean, you know, the City Stadium is their is their log cabin. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, Abe Lincoln grew up in the log cabin. He he compares City Stadium to that. And it really is an apt. Um, analogy. It was just wooden, wooden bleachers, wooden fence that surrounded it. Old, dilapidated place. And I mean, you know, it was um, that kids used to get snuck in by the players um, at the pass gate um, in the old days. Uh, you know, kids would wait there, and then you know, players would be coming from East High School to come down into the field. They'd, they'd grab a kid by the hand and, and lead him in, and then they get down the tunnel and, and let the kid go. And that's how kids <laughs> snuck into the games. I mean, you know, there was. I think Olenichik, um Dominic Olenichik, used to sneak in under a under a fence, under under a hole in the wooden fence um, for games. I think is is, um, <laughs> is how the story went. I mean, there's that place had a bunch of secret entrances. You know, it was okay. it was not a. Um, but I think I, you know the new city stadium was um, 
which was what it was called. It was, it was, yeah, I think it was basically called New City Stadium. Um, it was a very like modern facility, um, held 35,000 people. I think the most, it was still quaint in its own way though. I mean, the, the Van Owen Ovens farmhouse, um, was, was in the parking lot for years, for like six or seven years after the stadium went up. Um, and, and Van Owen Ovens, Victor and Florence Van Owen Oven, the farmers who sold their land to, to the city of Green Bay to build the, to, to build the stadium on. Um, their son lived there for, you know, years. I, they used to ice skate in the parking lot, um, when the, when the, you know, ground would freeze. Um, so it was, it was quaint in its own way. Um, but I, it was one of the, I think Lori Nickel, one of the journal Sentinel writers I interviewed when I was writing the book was like, there's nothing small time about that team now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's in a lot of ways, that's right. And I think that's an acceptable part of Packers, you know, the Packers history, but it's also sort of sad. Sorry, I'm bringing the room down again. No, you're good, okay. man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty curious. Obviously, your book very quickly has become a fan favorite for a lot of people. Um, was there a moment when you were writing this, whether it was something that, you know, had come to you or in the middle of an interview where you kind of felt, like, man, this could really be something special or this could really be something cool. Did you have right. a bit like that? You know, I think it happened very early on, actually, and I was gratified about that um, because everybody knows the Packers are the only community-owned team in, in major North American pro sports. Uh, they're, the only, they're the only small-town team. They come from the smallest town by far, um, the smallest metropolitan area by far of any team in North American pro sports, um, major North American pro sports. Uh, so I knew all that, but it was, it was learning early on. And I think I was talking to a geologist about, you know, sort of the, the history of, of the area and how it grew, but it was finding out that, the, you know, there's, you think about the Yankees, you think about the, you know, the Celtics or the Lakers, or you think about the Montreal Canadiens or something like that. Like it, there's no team there, there is no team in North America that is as much of the place from which it comes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, by, by that I mean like, I mean, you know, if you live in Green Bay, the most important body of water to you is not the bay itself. It's the, the Fox River, which divides east from west. And the rivalry between east and west gave rise to the rivalry between east and west high school, which was the biggest game in town well into the Packers tenure in Green Bay. Uh, you know, a game so big that the, the state militia patrolled the game with fixed bayonets. Uh, they patrolled the sidelines at one point in like 1917, <laughs> I think. Like it was, it was a big deal. And the, the game outdrew Packers Bears several times. Um, you know, with that rivalry, you know, Lambeau was a star at East and a lot of his, the first Packers came from East and West high school players. Um, so that gave rise to the Packers and, and, um, the, the Packers literally grew out of the land. And out of the people, uh, you know, it's, it's not, they were, they were, you know, one of their founders was a, a son of, of, uh, Belgian immigrants, grand, you know, I think son of Belgian immigrants. And, and one of their founders was this, the grandson, the great grandson of a Yankee, the Yankee founder of the town. Um, Daniel Whitney was a, a you know, the son of a men man from, from New Hampshire, from Gilson, New Hampshire. And he came to Green Bay and, and basically established uh, the city as a, as a as a you know force in in trading in the area. He was a very industrious man. Um, and George Whitney Calhoun was his, I think, grandson or great grandson. Um, it's you know the Packers are they're so bound to the people and the place that they're from. It was just a that was an incredibly that was my aha moment. It was was uh, very early on. Um, you know, I, I talked to. Uh, Gerald Rodesh, who's a emeritus professor of history in, at UW Green Bay, at one point in one of my early visits, and, and um, he basically helped me confirm all that, you know. And and Cliff Crystal's history is invaluable uh, there, but the, but the history that you know Arch Ward wrote in the '40s and and all that stuff—it's just you know, there's there's no place it's it's bound to the city, and the city is bound to it. It's it's an amazing an amazing story, and I think people don't. They know the, the back of the book facts about the Packers, but they don't know the 
the real story and, and why it's different in Green Bay than it is anywhere else, and, and gratifyingly so. Yeah, and I think uh, your book and then also the uh, the recent release, the the Legacy, the Packers documentary, if, yeah. you, if you've watched it, I know that's, oh, that's kind of hammered yeah. home a bunch of that stuff. It's so well done. But I know the, yeah. the, uh, the, the River thing, the Fox River thing, I honestly didn't know until I'd gotten your book and then hammered home again with, like, the Legacy thing. That's really, I know, the first, especially for Legacy, like, the first episode or two really hammer home that, like, the formation of the based on that high school, just the rivalry. I, did, I had no idea that rivalry was that big. I don't know if they touch on the bayonets, Mark. So that was a that was a fun point. <laughs> I didn't think they did that, but that was a... uh, also yeah. I think Green Bay not only has like the, you know, the best uh, story in sports, but it's got I think in Cliff Crystal. I mean, the Packers made the the right hire. They just have a fabulous historian, and that I got that story from Cliff. You know, um, as I did as I did many stories. Uh, he's just a, a Tremendous keeper of their, like you said, their legacy. Um, yeah, that's that's. And amazing. I look forward to his book. Is I think it's coming out this year. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to look at that. Um, okay, so my second question. I had, I had three questions, and I'm going to skip one of them because I had best event you covered, but the '06 Rose Bowl or uh, or Bobby Cox's office seemed to take the cake. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to skip right to three, Mark. Uh, so you talked a little about the book and and kind of some of the stuff you've gone through, but. Take us inside the writing a little bit. I know you, you, you traveled, you did a ton of research, but just not even specifically like something you found out, but do you have a story from the road that uh, that something either you enjoyed that was kind of interesting or, or kind of funny that you kind of just throughout the entire process? Well, one of my favorite things was I, you know, um, got to know uh, pretty well uh, Mary Jane Herber, uh, who's the, the, the art, basically the, the, kind of the local historian of the Brown County Library. Um, and she is, by by marriage, I think a great niece of Arnie Herber, who is, you know, an amazing Hall of Fame long ball passer in Packers history. And, and um, you know, I, I think every meeting with Mary Jane was, was um, she's just, you know, it's a very small town. I remember she, I called her the first time on the phone. She's like, oh, I've been expecting your call. And, <laughs> Uh, my wife, my wife kept uh, telling me it was like waiting for Guffman when I was going. I would go to Green Bay and stuff. It was just, it was very fun. Um, I my, I think my favorite story from Green Bay was after I'd finished the book. Was that you know, I was signing books at Bosses News and Tobacco, which is an old newsstand in Green Bay, and um, some woman came in, an eighty-five-year-old woman, I want to say, and she bought like seven copies for all of her sons. Um, and then I helped her carry him to the car in a snowstorm um, <laughs> because, I, you know, there was nobody else there anyway. And I had time and it was, you know, it's, it's just a very small town. It was uh, Green Bay's. It was fun to go to. I think I was out there like three or four times before the book um, was finished. And, I, you know, from Cliff to to, um, to Mary Jane to the, you know, the people at the, at the um, Neville Museum, they were just all very welcoming and very um, open with me. I think Doug uh, Reinhardt. Um, I think I, he's, his father had been uh, he carried the down and distance marker at, at uh, Lambeau Field for years. His first year carrying that was was um, Curly was um, not Curly Lambeau it was Vince Lombardi's first year uh, coaching, um, and he had no idea what he was getting into. And he you know <laughs> carried the down marker at the Ice Bowl. Um, you know it was just amazing. Uh, and he was um, I, I met him. I, I think I spent an afternoon with him, and I. I had the the story for my book in the first fifteen minutes. He told me how his dad got that job, which was he went to the same barber that Lambo did, and you know the barber in the northern building, which is still there. Uh, you know, Curly Lambo worked on the second floor and right sort of the barber shop, and everybody used to go there. And 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 um, John Reinhardt went in there for a haircut one day, and Joe Grabowski, the barber, uh, asked him if he wanted to, to to they needed somebody to run the down distance marker that weekend, and so he did it. Um, and that's that's how it happened. I mean, there were just fun things like that. You know, every visit I made to Green Bay, it was a, a little revelation each time. Walking the Heritage Trail, um, you know, was was a great time. It was, I mean, besides Boston, I think Green Bay is the only city with a trail dedicated to you know. I mean, you know, in Boston, it's a it's a trail of national import, but in Green Bay, it's you know, it's just as important. It was a great time. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. 
to piggyback on that one, like, how many people did you have to talk to in order to complete this book? Like, like there's got to be so many, but that, and then who was who was your absolute favorite? Oh boy, well, you know, I, I think um, I the people I talk to, it's got to be you know, um, it's got to be dozens or approaching a hundred. I mean, it's just I never bothered to do a count. Sure, um, but I, I mean, I just some people you'd call for like a little thing, like I, you know. I was trying to figure out why, I mean, in the, in the 40s, um, oh, who was the great pastor they had in the, I'm going to blank on his name. He connected with Don Hudson all the time. Um, they had a tremendous pastor um, who was actually, the, you know, better than Sammy Ball and Sid Luckman some years. I'm blanking on him. He was from Texas. Uh, but he, you know, went to Purdue and he coached at Purdue later. Uh, but, he, you know, I couldn't figure out why this guy had basically called it a career after eight seasons. And so I called his daughter, who was the only person, you know, she didn't really know, but she was the only person who had a chance of knowing. And so I gave her a call, um, you know, but I only asked her like two questions. Some people wouldn't talk to me. Like, um, you know, some people talk to me a lot. You know, I, I, um, I found out all sorts of stuff about, you know, Curly Lambeau had another son besides Don Lambeau, um, was born to his second wife. When they lived in L.A., Earl Lambeau, he changed his name to Earl Doria, uh, which was his uh, stepfather's name. And Earl had a long career in sports promotion at the Cow Palace in San Jose and with the Harlem Globetrotters and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and um, you know, just doing interviews, I, I happened to cross that nugget. <laughs> it, was, it was fascinating. Um, so there were all sorts of interviews that took me down all sorts of roads. Uh, my, my favorite interview was probably Lynn Dickey. Uh, who was just, you know, <laughs> had a full appreciation for the Packers' history and a full appreciation for why he thinks that the Packers might possibly be wasting the best years of Aaron Rodgers' career. Uh, oh, boy. You know, yeah. If you want to go down that road. Uh, I've heard it all. I prefer not um, to. But, but Lynn Dickey was, was a lot of fun and, and um, you know, pretty colorful about Forrest Craig and, and the, you know, Bart Starr and, and all those years. It was a lot of fun to talk to. And, and um, Dave Robinson, um, the linebacker from the great teams in the 60s, uh, who actually, I think he called me, I, he called me back to, to follow up on some point uh, during one of my son's like flag football games. I, everybody's watching. I'm, I can't talk. I got, I got a Hall of Famer on the line here. I can't, I can't watch. It was good. He appreciated the moment too. Though. He was, he was funny. That's awesome. What is yeah. something, I guess my last question would be, that something that obviously that you're comfortable sharing that you learned about the organization or about some of maybe fan favorites that a common fan just wouldn't know? Um, I think everybody needs to remember to appreciate, like, Don Hudson, like, truly. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, like, you, you need to know that, like, the first pass he ever caught for the Packers was in, 83-yard touchdown pass, you know, against Beanie Feathers, who I think was one of the first men to rush for over 1,000 yards, if not the first man to run for over 1,000 yards in a season. He was the cornerback or the halfback in those days uh, playing defense, and Hudson blew right past him. Um, Feathers was not yet on the downswing of his career, which didn't last long because Hallis ran him into the ground that year he ran for over 1,000 yards. Um, But, uh, you know, it was, uh, I think, Every fan should know that. Um, I think, you know, things I learned about the Packers, like it was, there's a lot of uh, um, kind of like special things. I think, I think the, you know, the, the way that the, the relationship between the team and the town is, has sort of reversed. Uh, for the first 50 years of their existence, the Packers were on their deathbed almost all the time. Um, or they were actually on their, you know, they were dying. Uh, when they were sued into receivership in the, in the early 30s. Um, and they were saved by the town many times um, in all sorts of ways. Uh, and now, with the title town development and all those things, the Packers are doing their best to make sure that, that the city of Green Bay is, is always going to be there for them. Um, and so I think that's a way that, you know, the Packers and their changing relationship with Green Bay is is, uh, is fascinating to me. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need People need to know. Uh, I think that I think one thing that one amazing thing I found out that I think everybody should know is like 
what a son of Notre Dame Coley Lambeau was, even though he only, he only went there for a semester. He had an amazing uh, Notre Dame recruiting network. I mean, he found Don Hudson because Don Hudson's coach was, was Frank – I'm going to get his name wrong. <laughs> Frank Morgan, I think, uh, was the guy, the coach at Alabama. Um, and he'd been a quarterback at Notre Dame. And Lambeau called him up and asked if he'd had anybody he knew. And I think when, when Lambeau's Notre Dame network started to thin out is when the Packers started to decline in Lambeau's later years. But but um, I, there was no better personnel man or, or uh, recruiter. And he leaned heavily on his Notre Dame contacts in the early days of pro football at Curly Lambeau. I mean, he signed three Hall of Famers on the eve of the 29 season. Um, Cal Hubbard and Johnny Blood and... Um, Oh, uh, Mike Mikulski. Um, they were just, um, you know, amazing players. And, and he already had, uh, uh, Clark Hinkle there, who might have been the best packer of them all, uh, in those days. Um, it's just, you know, I, Lambo found that Lambo found Clark Hinkle after the North South game in San Francisco. Um, Hinkle had played at Bucknell, but Lambo, like, sought him out in his hotel room and signed him on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's just all sorts of great things you need to know about Curly Lambeau. I could go on and on. <laughs> That's maybe my next book. There we go. Please. There's no please. good. There's no good biography of Curly Lambeau. We've uh, we, we would like a credit for that of uh, pushing you into that right direction. <laughs> Thank you. Royalties as well. Royalties as well. You know, <laughs> make something like that happen. As soon as I make some. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's say you're given a magical time machine. You're allowed to go back in time and see one Packers game live in person. Is there anyone that you just would have to go see? I'm going to cheat because I'm going to say the ones I would love to see too. I would love to see the 29 game against the Giants at the Polo Grounds where they basically mm-hmm. won their first championship. I'd love to see the game in 33 at City Stadium when Clark Hinkle broke down Bronco Nagurski's nose. Um, I would have loved to have, uh, you know, I would have loved to have been at the, uh, the the last Super Bowl that they won. I mean, I, you know, I think that might be the best day of my life. Like, I know a lot of people say their wedding day or the birth of their <laughs> child, but like, I sort of knew those days were coming. Yeah, don't yeah, tell. Don't, 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 don't let the kids listen to this. They were a total. That was a total surprise to me. So uh, I can't. How can you discount that? That was a great game. Uh, but I, I'd have to say, if there was one game I could go back and see in person, it would be the '61 championship game. Uh, they beat the Giants 37 nothing on New Year's Eve. Um, it was the first championship game in the history of the city of Green Bay. Um, you know that they, they were supposed to play the 30. What did they win? The 39 championship or something there? Uh, but they, they played it in Milwaukee, uh, at the fairgrounds instead because the NFL thought they could get more people. Um, they didn't play in Green Bay and, and Green Bay was not happy about that. Um, that's when they named the city title town was in 61. Uh, you know, Horning and Lombardi and, and, uh, Forrest Gregg and Bart Starr, they were all there. It was just an amazing, collection of guys. I mean, I don't think that was their best team in 61 or 62. I think that the um, those later years, those ice bowl teams were awesome. I think people forget how great those defenses were. They had six Hall of Famers on starting on defense at one time. Uh, five of them on the, the, right, the quarterback's right side of the ball. Um, because most quarterbacks were right-handed and plays went to the right. Um, but I think the 61 game would, would be it. I, it was just you know, they tore down the goalposts and, you know, paraded them around old downtown Green Bay late into the night. And it was just, it was a cool day. Um, and I, I think that would be the one uh, because that was, I mean, Green Bay was something else before that and a great piece of NFL history, but they became something, they started to become something else in 61. That was the first, I think the first year of the NFL's big TV contract. Um, hmm. So it's it's not a, it's not a small thing. I mean, the Packers of the 60s grew into this, something quite different than the Packers of the 30s and 40s and 20s had been um, because of TV and how everybody could see them and experience them. So, uh, yeah, there's there's better games, I'm sure, but 61 would be it for me. Well, uh, Mark, we appreciate you joining us. Why don't you tell everybody um, 
where they can pick up the people's team, you know, and, and promote your book as much as humanly possible for everybody listening. Uh, well, the people's team, it's also, it's a illustrated history of the Packers. And so one of the real fun parts of the book was, was I got to put a lot of pictures in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I had to write captions for all of them, but there's like, <laughs> uh, there's a ton of pictures in there that are just, uh, you know, illustrate the history of the team as well. But it's, uh, you know, it's at all your, you know, bookstores in Wisconsin for sure. Uh, but if you can't find it there, it's on Amazon.com. You know, it's great. I, I just was contacted by uh, the, the president of the, the uh, Packers fan club in Slovakia. Like, it, would cost, <laughs> it would cost $100 for me to get your book on Amazon.com and get it shipped out here. Can you just send me a copy? Do you have any laying around? And I was like, I actually have, do have one laying around. I, I can send it to you. And I did, and it cost me $100. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it because he said he was going to send me some Slovakia fan club T-shirts, and I was like, I can't pass that. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's a fair trade. That's amazing. So, yeah, um, but it's yeah wherever wherever you can find books, it's um, it's there. Uh, the hardcover's still out. It's it's a book that um, I mean I, you know you can buy it on Amazon totally. It's it's just I think a book that benefits from being held in your hand and, and seen. Uh, it's you know it's just a I think that by the photo editor I worked with, the Maureen Cavanaugh. Um, did an amazing job of the pictures and, and the, the layout and design. This guy Nate Beal, she found did it, and uh, it's just beautiful. And I, you know, I'm very lucky with this book. It's uh, it's everything I wanted it to be. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is on Amazon right now, um, it's uh, the hardcover is 20 bucks, which is just an incredible deal. And the Kindle, the Kindle is the same. Kindle is also yeah. 20 dollars, and I can't imagine. I mean, I, I love reading books on my Kindle, but like you said, it's the just the holding the book, just seeing the actual pictures, not yeah. on my Kindle. Uh, it's it's absolutely worth it. And it's cheaper than a really good tie if you're still looking for a Father's Day present. It's <laughs> belated Father's I mean, Day, yeah. exactly. It's, it's cheaper than all those things. I can't, you know. It would be. Uh, I think it's cheaper than the, the ticket to a game at County Stadium or at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Lambeau Field. Sorry, I was going back to my own. My own experiences there. Uh, all right. Well, make sure you follow Mark. He's also on Twitter at Mark Beach. The number two PT zero. Is there a little like? Did you have a one point Twitter handle? Or, uh, well, I was I was Mark Beach. I, I had to get rid of my old SI mail gotcha. email address when uh, or Twitter stuff when when I left SI, uh, and so that was you know two point Yeah, two point is what occurred to me, but I, I didn't. I probably could have just written two period zero. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's creative. I like the, the But for some reason, I, I thought it had to all be spelled out. I don't know. <laughs> you were new to Twitter. It's understandable. It was done in haste. <laughs> and now you can't change it because people no, will be confused. God, I can't change it. Yeah. <laughs> that blue check mark went away for a few days. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it came back. So. Uh, well, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Um, before we go, Dusty, Sarah, we normally end with some closing thoughts. So if you guys have anything you want to add on before we go. Uh, I'm I'm still in the middle of writing. I need to – I'm finishing an EQ, EQ piece now, looking at 2018. So hopefully that will be up in the next couple of weeks, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. It's a weird time, man. It's a weird time. Um, so I've got nothing to promote. So I will say uh, just mark – Thank you so much for coming on. This is amazing. Uh, if oh, if people do not have your book already, the people's team, please buy that immediately because it's amazing. It's something. It's something like honestly, all Packers fans should have on their shelf if nothing else. Like it's it's a beautiful looking book and just the history of it's amazing. And it's just it's respectful. Amazing, so. That's like a coffee table book. Like not on a shelf. I've anymore. got. I've Why got one book on a shelf. I've got one on my shelf, and I've got sure, five yeah. on my coffee table just in case <laughs> someone from Slovakia comes in. I can just hand it to them. So I've got I've got a bunch of them. So uh, that's I guess that's that's one of my final thoughts. Is just please please buy that book because it's amazing. Um, the other thing I will say, Mark, I'd like to thank you for bringing up Hudson. I think I brought up Hudson even just a couple weeks ago. His numbers are just insane. Um, like if you look even now, he's 11th all time in touchdowns. 11th all-time in touchdowns, and he played in an era where the forward pass was not huge. He's just behind Largent, and he's eight above Isaac Bruce for total touchdowns. So the numbers never, are crazy. Like Don Hudson, the, I think there's more of that story to tell. I, you know, He was the best receiver in football by a ways uh, mm-hmm. before the war. And then he didn't – he got a deferment, I think, because of his family and some other things. Um, but I was never able to find out exactly why. Uh, but he he played during the war, and you know, 
Um, his numbers, the four years during the war, the four or five years of World War II, um, are very close to the seven years he played um, before the war started. Uh, and so it's it's really, um, I think that, uh, I don't know that they would be as high as they are if, if it, he had not been playing against like a depleted NFL. But um, it's, you know, they were amazing to begin with already. Like, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an exaggeration to put him up in the company that he already was in um, before the war ever started. But, but the war, I think the war sort of cemented his legacy or helped cement his legacy. It's, it's just, uh, I mean, they're, they're cartoonish. They're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. Cecil Isbell. Cecil Isbell, Cecil Isbell was Isbell. that quarterback. I, I quarterback looked him I up. I was wondering that, if that yeah. was him. Yeah, I'm looking at one of the numbers now. His 42 season, which which smack dab in that area you're talking about, is 14 games, 1,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, 110 yards per game. Yeah, it's like, it's I mean, like it's, me it's, playing uh, Matt. <laughs> he, um, I think, I think Cliff was the one who pointed out to me that he rarely uh, started. Um, he didn't start as many games as he played. Um, they just they tried to take it easy on him, but really, uh, they the Packers. Might have won the NFL championship in '38. They lost the title game to the Giants um, because Hudson was hurt. Uh, he got hurt late in the season, and it was after that year that Lambeau went out and found Larry Craig, who was a Packers quarterback for years despite never throwing a pass ever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, on defense, he played defensive end, which they could move Hudson back to the secondary, and he became like a you know a very good defensive back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did not have to play defensive end anymore. He was not a position he was not suited for. Um, but he mostly lined up as a tight end and, and just took a – I think the Packers tried to minimize the beating he took yeah. a lot because, um, you know, they, they just needed to spare him. Sorry, I was off on a tangent. No, there. that's oh, no, very no. interesting. Have at it, please. <laughs> Again, we'll we'll sit and listen to your tangents all day. It's better than, it's better than a dusty tangent. So. All right, all right. All right buddy. Oh, okay, buddy. <laughs> He's not wrong. I don't know about that. Right? Dusty, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very, I think, I used the word wonk about Dusty on Twitter one day, and Dusty was like, I'm not quite sure. Wait, wait I had to make sure what that meant before I True. said thank you. I did look but like, I, like I, I find that I enjoy those kind of wonky, like, edge-heady posts about football. I just, they're, they're like catching. Um, and she said TV, and then and Dusty are, they're high art practitioners of that stuff. It's, it's fascinating to read. <laughs> Definitely puts out wonky articles. I can get yeah. on board with that comment. It's, I like it's, it. I it's my own personal it. brand. I'm going to put that on my family crest. Actually, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a shorter way of saying articles that are smarter than me. <laughs> we don't like to give Dusty that much credit, though. That's true. So. That's true. All right, Sherry, you got anything else before we get going? No, not really. Just thank you, Mark, for joining us. This was oh, awesome. Thanks. And- I had my I had your book on my digital queue on Amazon, but I'm thinking I might just have to buy the real thing now. Here, hearing all of this, so thanks. This was awesome. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great time. All right, thank you everybody for listening. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher four at C Perch and at Packaday Podcast. And that's uh, for Mark is at Mark Beach. The number two, PT0, and I'm impressed with myself because I got that without even looking on Twitter, uh, just straight from memory. So uh, thank you again, Mark. It was outstanding. Like, we we would love to have you back, especially if there's no NFL season this year, which, fingers crossed, we'll have some. But if there's not, we're going to pick your brain for, like, a couple hours for a podcast next time. So I'm assuming you're cool with that? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to come back. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great. Cool. Well, uh, again, thank you for listening, uh, everybody. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. We'll be back next week and talking some uh, Packers football. As always, go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.